Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism, but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive, we nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Inclusion is a popular topic in the autism community, and for good reason. Oftentimes, inclusion is mentioned in the educational setting. However, it's much more than that. The definition of inclusion, when paired with diversity, is the deliberate act of welcoming diversity and creating an environment where all different kinds of people can thrive and succeed. So, put simply, diversity is what you have. Inclusion is what you do. Today, we're speaking with Katherine Jenkins. She's a mom of three boys. Her oldest son was diagnosed with autism at two years old, and he's now eight. She became an advocate for him and is now an advocate for the autism community as a whole. She wrote and published her first book called Inclusion Alphabet in October 2018 and has subsequently been able to speak to schools and community groups on the inclusion topic. Hi, Katherine. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me was just wondering if you could tell people a little bit about your viewpoint of inclusion. I know that you have the Inclusion Project, and that's been a really big passion of yours. Why don't you share with us a little bit about what that means for you? Sure. Um, Yes, inclusion is a huge passion of mine, and it's not really because I believe everyone needs to be in the same place or It's not about placement at all for me. Inclusion is about making sure that everyone can reach their full potential. I have a son with autism, and I think that really got me advocating for him and um, and then from there advocating for others. But I think that the reason why it matters so much to me is because I want to make sure that we allow ourselves the opportunity to allow others to succeed, which is such, it seems to be tricky right now. It seems to be a really hard place to be in because we find that there's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of confusion on what inclusion actually means. And from there, possibly like loneliness and just feeling, you know, not a part of things. And so that's kind of my angle on and what I try to do with inclusion. I think that's really important too. And I know a lot of us autism parents will even go into classrooms or other kinds of settings and really just kind of explain why diversity it can be so beautiful. I know that it's really important to me in that a lot of the things that I share with my son, Alex, I can share with his friends as well. And I think one of the most important quotes that I saw that really ex- resonated with me is to provide children with, I believe they said, a mirror and a window situation. And so allowing people to look into the lives of others to try to experience what they're going through and also reflect on ways that it's affecting them. It's a mirror and a window. I love that quote. Such a beautiful thought. Yes. And so incredibly true that we need to be creating empathy, a way for others to understand each other and be able to help them. I know that you've done a significant amount of research. I think we all have as autism parents. We're just kind of thrown into this world and we start digging. I know that, you know, you have this book, Inclusion Alphabet, and of course the 
the alphabet itself is A through Z, but there are 10 simple strategies that you usually tend to gravitate towards when you speak to people. And why don't you kind of go through maybe what some of these 10 simple strategies people can do to have this inclusion in their lives? Sure. Yes. I talk to people um, in groups in the community or in schools, and these are kind of the 10 that I always like to um, discuss. My The reason why they all came about is, again, just trying to include my son in my own life and in my own home. And so it really started when he was young. And of course, I didn't have a list of 10 things when he was that young. I just started doing things from advice I was given from therapists and parents and teachers and trying to figure out how do I get through to him? How do I include him in my life? How do I make our home an inclusive one? And um, from there, I've kind of learned as I was writing this book and I was talking to other people that these steps that I did begin to write down are the same. They're universal Mm -hmm. and they're not just for kids, but they're for adults and they're for teachers and they're for, you know, anybody who is navigating this, trying to create more inclusion in their world. And so where I came about with these 10 simple strategies, the first one is get into their world. This is probably the main one that I talk about the most. And it was the first one that I really started with my son. And it was one thing I've realized is you might need to be prepared to give before you take. My son loved numbers and running and he wasn't speaking at the time. He didn't connect with us at all. But we realized we needed to count and we needed to run mm-hmm. with him. And so we counted everything you can imagine and we ran everywhere. I got in great shape during that time <laughs> because that was what the way that I could connect with him. And in another example, you know, if you're wanting to play with, you know, you like to play basketball and you see someone at recess that is, you know, alone or you want to include them, you might need to be willing to play something that they like first. It's that same idea that you have to kind of be willing to try what they want and then see if they're going to be willing to come into your world eventually. Mm, so important. I think I've mentioned this in another interview that I did with a mom. And for us, we, you know, the whole, the, one of the big topics is screen time and screen time for us has not been a passive thing, but I've actually used it to our favor in that Alex, you know, my son loves to watch videos on animals and he's learned actually so much about animals and told me one time what a tasseled wabagong was and my jaw nearly dropped to the floor. (laughs) And one of the first ways that I was able to truly connect, and it was really Alex connecting with me, was he had watched the movie Toy Story and he pulled me into his world. Actually, there was a scene from the Toy Story where Buzz and Woody were trapped underneath this semi-truck and Woody goes over to Buzz and wipes a fly off of his mask. And my son went over and pretended like he wiped a fly off of my mask. I knew in that instant he was actually trying to pull me into his world. He was Woody and I was Buzz Lightyear. And so we started reenacting a lot of scenes from movies. And so I think that's, he kind of guided me in that way. Such a wonderful way to connect. Other other things that I like to talk that are in this list, listen through words and behavior. That's the next one. And I think you can learn a lot. You know, we do ABA therapy. If you're not familiar with that, it's um, applied behavior analysis. And 
we do it in our home. And it's been so clear that when you look at the behaviors, when you listen more than you're telling someone what to do, you Mm -hmm. get a lot more out of it. And so, you know, just simply by observing, sometimes I've gone into my son's classroom, or if you're observing uh, just a community setting, something that's not working at even a workplace, you can get a lot more from that. Listening is such a hard thing to do. We always kind of want to be in charge and and tell people what to do, but sitting back and listening is very important to include. Sure, them. absolutely. Yeah, we're we're big fans of ABA therapy in this house. It's it's really been crucial, and the therapist, um, along with Alex, they've they've really taught us so much about that. It is. It makes such a difference, and just being able to find those ways to understand that behavior too, and understand what to do with it or how to help. So. That's it. And then the next one is try at certain and predictable times. I found my son has severe anxiety, but I've also, um, I used to be a former swim coach and had a lot of kids with mm-hmm. anxiety or um, had some trauma that they had dealt with in their lives. And it was very clear that in order to get through to them, I needed to do it at predictable times at first. Um, and so maybe that was at lunch each day, I would sit down with them and talk to them or a few minutes before practice started and always at the same time. And they seemed to handle that better because they could expect it was going to come. And then as we mastered that, obviously you'd move into other areas and different times, but at the beginning, trying at certain and predictable times to be a friend can really um, help ease that. To someone that is kind of on the outside and not really aware maybe of this certain because we're all different and how would someone might be able to to tell when a predictable time might be if they if they don't know an individual that's a good question and that probably goes back to the first one you're going to have to get to know them probably before mm-hmm. you'll find those predictable times you could also if you're a teacher or a coach you could ask their parents because their parents probably do know when are those safe times when are those comfortable times for your child and sometimes it might be a certain setting or a certain location they might be far more comfortable at home than they will be at school. And so then how do we nav? you know, if it's a, if it's a teacher situation, how do I make them comfort comfortable at school like they are at home? So finding those ways to do that and then using that, you know, the hard times, the things that you need to work on at school, those are maybe the times to do that. Listen through words and behavior. So if you're listening to the words and behavior, you can probably start yes. to tell a little bit maybe when those predictable times may be. Totally. Yes, I completely agree. Um, number four is setting up for success. This was said to me over and over and over again by our therapist. And it finally hit me. <laughs> now I know if you don't set someone up for success, it's kind of the same ones, you know, setting certain predictable times, same idea. But um, making sure that you're actually allowing yourself to succeed, too. If you're expecting that they're going to be so excited to play with you, they're going to be so excited to have a conversation with you right away, it can be a real letdown and it can be discouraging. And so setting goals or just starting small little bit by little bit makes a bigger, sets everyone up for success so that you're continuing on and not just getting constantly discouraged because you're not reaching those milestones you were hoping to. That's so true. I think it's important to break it down into those smaller little nuggets. I know f- for Alex, when I'm wanting him to try a certain food, let's say we're we're working on corn right now. <laughs> so instead of putting a whole scoop of corn on his plate, I am literally putting one kernel of corn on his plate. <laughs> and so I think that's maybe 
kind of metaphorically speaking, what we can do in setting and establishing those expectations. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, I actually, my my son went through food therapy too, and he's still, we're still working on it a lot. And it was that kind of thing. It's that one step at a time. You're just trying to, yeah, put the thing on the plate. And my son still doesn't like food to touch. So we still have it all very separated, but, but we have been able to slowly have huge success because he has been willing to let it sit on his plate or he's even put it in his mouth. And now he kind of spits it out if he doesn't like it, but we are getting somewhere with that. And that's such a, um, a wonderful example. So that's that. Yeah, it's great. We take those small wins. I mean, they're the biggest wins for us, right? Totally. Yes. They make such a, those, I mean, you need to celebrate every milestone, small or big, because it's a it is a big deal. It's actually not small or big; they're all big. So that's very true. And I think another thing too, one of your your strategies is is being consistent in keeping your promises. I think that's that's a huge one. You talk about all of these, you know, simple strategies working for everyone, and I think this is an important one for any parent. Yes, I recently attended a conference and they mentioned that a lot of the reason why we're seeing a lot of higher suicide rates, a lot of depression, a lot of loneliness in children is that they don't have adults that they can trust as they've been doing research. So that's been one of the things that they just don't have anyone to trust. And I thought a lot about that. And um, it makes a huge difference for, you know, and we have to be able to trust someone. And so we need to make sure that we're following through with the promises we make with our kids, that we're being consistent with the what we're planning on, what they they need to know what we're expecting of them. Absolutely. Um, what are some of the other kind of strategies that you kind of teach about, you know, consistency and keeping your promises for sure, but then that may be different and unique for each person, kind of engaging in a unique way with your child, I guess, could be another simple strategy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's number six on my list. You're totally right. Um, engagement and playtime. Um, I think that we have to learn and you actually had a great example at the beginning of the your Disney example, we need to engage in a unique way. Sometimes it's not going to be the same. Sometimes it's side by side play. I don't know if any of if you've ex- done play therapy before, but my son and I would just work on side by side play and then you work on playing together. And there's so many different elements to that. But by engaging in a unique way, it helps to be able to, again, connect differently. And these kids are different. We're all different. We all have different ways that we connect. And so finding that um, unique setting is important. You might be playing a video game and not talking at all for a little bit. It might be adapting equipment so that you can still play a game of basketball, for example. Perhaps you're using a different ball or you are changing the rules. My son loves board games, but and now he actually will play the rules. But for a while, it was just opening up a board game and moving the pieces wherever we wanted to. There wasn't rules there. We didn't put rules on it. We just engaged in the way that we could. It requires that creativity, I think, is what it is. It's just being creative creative and flexible. Well, and I think all too often times just in life in general, we we put these rules on ourselves, like color within the lines kind of thing. And even though there are definite reasons to to do that, I think we get in the habit of applying that in so many other facets of our life. And we can kind of become vanilla, 
right? It's just kind of plain and we don't allow ourselves to be creative. I think that that's one of the beauties of children is that they aren't jaded by some of those life rules yet. And so opening up a game of Candyland and just moving the little gingerbread men wherever you would have them go is something that is fun and you just kind of go with the flow. I love that. Yes, it's so true. We are kind of, we do kind of become a little bit vanilla. We have to really work on stepping outside of our comfort zone and enjoying life a little bit more, bringing the joy back into it and just doing what makes us laugh, what makes us have those feelings, they go a long way. Another thing that I talk a lot about and probably the main one that I talk in schools is accepting differences and finding similarities. I think this is a key one for parents to talk to their kids about at home as well on a strategy and a way to play and to understand someone who is different at school. An example was would be that even though Johnny maybe paces or has stimming behaviors, which we see often that make him more comfortable, and even though it looks different, we can accept those and know that Johnny still likes Minecraft and Legos and Pokemon. And so there's always similarities that we can find. And so kind of accepting the differences while also finding those similarities. When I have done this in school, it's really interesting because the moment I talk about this, and I don't always go through all 10, I'll kind of pick a few things and just kind of talk about those. And I, every time I talk about this one, immediately after I get a ton of kids that raise their hand, and the only thing they want to tell me about is, oh yeah, I like Pokemon too. Oh yeah, I like Minecraft too. Oh yeah, I like Legos too. And it's so... It tells you exactly what you want. You want them to realize that it, you know, they want to know why someone is different or why things are happening. And once they've done that, they've accepted it and they're ready to play Minecraft. (laughs) They're ready to play Legos or Pokemon with whoever will do that, you know? So that's awesome. I think it's, we just have to lead them a little bit, you know? There's beauty in difference. Completely. Yeah, completely. I know one of the things that I I read in one of your simple strategies that I love, love, love so much, and it's probably my very favorite one, and that is forgive, say sorry, and forgive again. Can you share with me? I just, I love, I I don't, I, this is my favorite one, Catherine. It's my absolutely favorite. And I almost teared up when I saw it. Thank you. Yeah, um, it is. And it is so easy to preach and so hard to do. But I, I genuinely believe that if we do not find forgiveness and we cannot do that, inclusion cannot exist. Because there, we're all going to make mistakes at times. We're all going to not understand something. Um, there's so much room for education on this subject, and we have to be willing to let people be educated and move forward. I also think that it is hard <laughs> to be a mom mm-hmm. um, to a child with special needs and see him struggle so much, and maybe see parents mm-hmm. or people that say things that they that hurt my, it hurts my feelings. And I don't even think they're usually meaning to hurt my feelings, but I've realized if I can't forgive them and move forward, like I'm just going to stay in the same place and I'm never going to be able to have that opportunity to change some things in my community and to make sure that people just understand a little better for next time. I think that's so true. I And I think a lot of times the words sometimes that people will use, like you said, they're not being intentional, don't intentionally want to hurt you, but sometimes they do. And it's a lot of it is because they're not aware of certain things. And I've had so many instances where my feelings have really been hurt and 
almost to the point where I'm in tears. And then I realized I can use those opportunities as a way to just kind of share awareness. And I'm all about quotes, right? And so there was another quote that I had heard that said, when I had a child, I was so excited because I was going to be teaching my child about the world. And it turns out that I'm teaching the world about my child and using just those times to not only forgive, but to also educate. And I think you're a great example of how you're doing that with your inclusion project. Wow, wonderful quote. Again, yeah, I need to write all these down. Um, It's true. We have to be able to kind of forgive and move forward um, or else we're kind of just staying in the same place. I also think it's completely okay that if it gets to where you feel like you are not being included because of the way someone is treating you, it is probably still very inclusive to walk away and say, I'm going to let them learn how to be inclusive and I'm going to work on inclusion where I can. Because I get that question a lot. Well, what if someone doesn't want to cooperate? What if they don't want to be inclusive to me? Well, then walk away and find someone that will, but don't hold, you know, we don't need to harbor poor feelings towards that person. We can move forward and continue to include where we can. And hopefully they'll join in when they're ready. A lot of times as the caretaker, as the parent, there's a lot of loneliness. And that's really why I formed my autism tribe is that, you know, I have a lot of great friends and family and they have been completely supportive on our journey. But at the same time, as we go through the day to day, I sometimes will feel excluded and not included, whether it's you know, not going to certain birthday parties or, you know, certain events. If everyone's going to a loud basketball game, we may not be able to go. So inclusion happens there as well. Completely. Having a tribe is everything. Being able to ask for help or to find some sort of support, it's going to make a big difference. Completely right. And I think we have to educate ourselves to to know this, you know, the supports that are available and to know all of those things. I also encourage a lot of people to read books, watch movies, gain more insight. And I think knowledge is power. So the more that we find and support is power too. So the more we find that tribe and the more that we find those kinds of resources, it just makes a big difference and it helps us gain more empathy and other people too. Oh, it's huge. I, I know so many of my friends since we've been on this journey, they are still learning and they, I'm finding they are reaching out to discover more about autism and sensory processing disorder and, you know, all of these things. And it's absolutely amazing just to see those people that I know care about my son want to learn more. That's beautiful. And it's true. There's so many well-intentioned people that really want to learn. They want to get better. They just don't know yet. And so we um, have the opportunity to educate, to teach them a little bit more, and they can teach us something in another way. Absolutely. Well, Catherine, I think you're just the sweetest thing ever. And I just commend your efforts with the Inclusion Project, and your son is one blessed guy to have a mom like you that's really kind of fighting for his support and for his future, and it's been such a pleasure talking with you, and I'm just so grateful that you're now part of my autism tribe. Oh, thank you. Well, I feel the same way about you, and I am honored to be part of this tribe. In summary, I think it's important to share a quote from Catherine. 
She says, inclusion to me is the process of accepting, supporting, creating, and finding opportunities for each person to reach their full potential, regardless of race, religious beliefs, ethnicity, sexual identity, physical or psychological ailments, intelligence, differences, or other attributes that may set them apart from you. It's not about placement or being in the same room together. Inclusion allows us to be our best selves and it shouldn't stop or hinder anyone else's ability to succeed. Everyone's potential has value and is worth promoting. Thank you, Catherine. Such a lesson in life.